think it was a good thing that I stopped trading today. I&M was just very dangerous. It looks to me like there's nothing worth touching, except I am still watching L-I-A-N. Yeah. Yeah. That was a popular one. It's a bit higher float. Um, but CVM yesterday was the same. It was like 40 million. This is 43 million. And I did really well on CVM. You just have to be a little bit careful with trading them because like kind of obviously looking at the Leanne chart, um, those pullbacks can be pretty steep. Yeah. But yeah, they just get a lot of volume to both directions since there's more shares available to trade. But it's holding ascending support and kind of keeps making these attempts upward. So kind of as long as it keeps holding 320-ish, I'm interested in it. It's only worth it if you work for it. It's only worth it if you work for it. I won't stop till they hear me now. I won't stop till I wear the crown. It could have a double top at four and try to make a new high. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm also on a solid day, two days in a row now. So I'm not in a rush to keep trading it. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. yeah. I feel the same way. I had uh, yesterday like a decent, I was up like almost 700 and then I gave back 30% off the top on mm. accident too. I had a leftover limit order. Uh, and then there was a flush. Oh, and I was that's, like, oh no, I forgot it. That's it. terrible. And all of a sudden, yeah. you hear that think or swim order fill sound. And that, you're like, what? That was exactly <laughs> this. I was even looking at a different ticker. I was like totally somewhere else. And then I was like, what the? What the? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, what and then happened? I just closed my TOS. I didn't want to get on tilt and then, like, all of a sudden be that's, red on the day. That's smart. <clears throat> I said, screw it. I'll take my $400. And then yeah. today, I kind of similar except it wasn't an accident uh this time i just gave off like 200 from the top i was up 600 now i'm back down to 400 and then i closed my tos so not like big days yeah. but uh it yeah. doesn't matter though just keep it doesn't really it matter I feel, this, <laughs> I feel this same way <laughs> that's how i was i'm finally starting to get some good days and consistency back i'm just being so careful and i don't even want to say it yet jinx anything but um, that's basically where I was at like two weeks ago. I was, I was starting to finally get a couple small green days in a row together and it just goes from there. You can just pick up steam real quickly. If you can keep that going. One thing that, um, I think last week, especially and this week that has really been helping me out is I, you know, you guys know I've, I'd had a lot of inconsistency through September and then like first week of October. Um, and I was kind of, I was trying to figure out what was going on. And I think that I was probably just buying for the breakout too way too much. And I've cut that back and I've just been more patient and just waiting for that dip. Mm. And I think that that has really helped turn things around the last two, two and a half weeks. So far, but it's still, it's been choppy. I don't, we yeah, haven't really had any great opportunities coming up in the uh, last two weeks. I've been doing well, but um, 
I don't really think the market has changed much. Nope, I don't. I don't think it has really either. Um, and I, I was I was getting red doing exactly the same thing because sometimes you'll see these beautiful breakouts that go 50, 20, 30 percent, but somehow getting timing those and actually being on the right one instead of the 20 fake outs that come before right. is is very difficult. So I was, yeah, yeah, I do better when I, I kind of accumulate before the breakout. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, that's kind of what I've been doing today and yesterday. That's a good point, and actually something on one of the other points that I realized, and I think I've been doing better at is um, these stocks make so many fake outs and like attempted attempts. And um, I think I've done a good job in the last week or so of backing off if I've just taken like two or three stabs and lost like a cent or two on each of them. Mm -hmm. Just take a step back, take a minute and kind of think about or reevaluate what's going on. Yeah, totally agree there. What do you what do you guys think, Tom Colby? How 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 do you guys have been noticing in the markets, Tom? Um, yeah, I guess what I've been noticing, um, there's definitely opportunity. There's definitely yesterday you had a near five hundred percent runner. Definitely opportunity today. I and M that one was like another two hundred percent runner. Uh, that one definitely had opportunity enough to get. A decent green day but uh yeah like you said timing that was just difficult managing a risk is difficult i've had so many trades where it's just take my entry and then like it just the price just teleports and i'm somehow down 10 10 cents immediately and i'm taking i have to take a loss because for me to hold and it goes down another 10 10 cents and it's just like then i i, I wipe out on a day so that's happened a couple of times the past couple of weeks. Um, yeah. As far as my trading in general, I feel like my growth has really has gotten to like like a ceiling and I need to make changes if I'm ever going to break out of that. And I think the problem is for me is that when I'm trading, like not every trade I have, um, I have a strategy. Like I'm sometimes I'm just buying kind of just blindly or I'm selling because of just taking profits rather than taking profits at a resistance level or a nice breakout that just happened, you know, scaling out into an extension. Um, a lot of times I'm just selling just for the sake of just taking small gains uh, without any reason to sell. And I think that's one of my biggest problems. I know that I've known that since I've begun that that was a problem, but now I'm just really starting to realize that, that is those the specific you know the entries to taking an entry for a specific reason and selling for a specific reason is what has been holding me back from reaching a next level so really the past 2 days i've just kind of reset mentally and just kind of just thinking like back to day 1 like it feels like i'm back to day 1 and i have to kind of relearn some things uh, to kind of iron out these bad habits of you know buying when I'm not supposed to be buying or for no reason or selling for no reason when I'm not supposed to be selling um, and trying to yeah to iron those out and hopefully with that I know I've been doing DRCs daily report cards 
just because it'll keep me accountable so I can write down the reason for every single time I hit the buy button and the reason for every single time I hit the sell button. And that will keep me, you know, aware of myself as I'm trading, you know, asking myself why. And I think that'll help me iron that out. And, um, yeah, that's what's been holding me back. And I'm definitely been struggling. I'm at an all time low mentally. And now I'm with that, you know, every time I hit to a mental low, I feel like I'm out of low. I'm always doubling down on my studies or tripling down on my studies because that's what successful people do. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's where I'm at. That's Intel. awesome. Every time I get myself into a rut, I feel like eventually, um, however long it takes to reevaluate, I always get back to just going back to basics and like where I initially started finding success which was in dips and just cutting out the trades that are making me red um i don't know if that's dips for you or whatever it is but um just going back to basics and just slowing things down a little bit has been always really helpful for me to turn things around and then you just start stacking together like a couple really small green days in a row and then maybe a couple more medium green days and all of a sudden you're kind of out of that rut moving forward. Um, but that's exactly where I was just, just like two weeks ago was like rock bottom mentally to the point where yeah. it was the first Friday of October and I took an oversized loss. I was trading at the gym um, and it was a really solid red day. And, uh, and I remember I went into that weekend in a good mood. Cause I was like, it doesn't matter. I'm so over it and uh and it's been good since then so uh well well I'll get yeah. out of that right yeah but I think it's more than just waiting it out because I think mm-hmm. I I've always felt this way that that I didn't know I couldn't I couldn't 100% define my edge in every mm-hmm. single every single setup or just in general just defining my edge I just could not like write that out crystal clearly. And I knew that like since I began, begun trading and like now I'm just starting to realize like that's the only, that's what's holding me back is just facing that and then trying to rewind everything and go back. Yeah. Like you said, go back to basics and learn and be, and be very structured in a little bit more structured in the entries and the exits and the setups than what I've been like. It's, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because I definitely felt that way too, like last year that I was just trading all kinds of stuff. And I really didn't have like a definition of like, what's an A plus setup for me personally? And what do I really trade well? And um, <clears throat> Ross had me and a couple of the other like profitable mentor guys last year with Warrior put together our own courses like 10 chapters long, main yeah. three strategies, all of that stuff that goes into it. And it, I think, was actually really helpful for me personally to be able to put all of that into words and writing and and into a strategy to, like, teach to somebody else. Um, so I definitely understand what you mean there. Mm-hmm. I love hearing yeah. this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which part? The part that I, I was struggling or that I had <laughs> that I turned a corner. 
No, I like, like ha, other people are struggling too. Finally. <laughs> yeah. No, I just love the whole uh like trying to actually like write out what the edge is because like I remember along like it was had to have been 10 podcasts ago. I was saying the Mike Belfiore quote where he was like, if you are trading based on feeling, no, you're not, it's a strategy or something like that. And all all of you guys were like, Oh, that's I don't I, I think it is a lot of intuition. And ever since you guys said that, I was thinking a lot about how different small caps are from futures because I don't come across any futures trader that's not you need to have your strategy defined, period. And there's not a single example of a futures trader that doesn't have a defined strategy that makes money. There's not a single one. But then small caps, mm -hmm. it's like 95% of traders are trading off of like intuition. And a lot of you guys are making money. And then- <laughs> it begs the question though like why are you making money so i think there's probably like two reasons number one is the competition is smaller so you can kind of have really really good risk management and that can be an edge in itself just being extremely well risk management which tom is the best risk manager i've ever seen i mean his red days are like a dollar and his green days are like a hundred and his average <laughs> nice to do that it's crazy. I don't even know. So I think Tom, mostly your edge is straight up. You're just extremely good at controlling risk. But then also on top of that, small caps is mostly tape reading. And it's really hard to really write out a strategy within tape reading because that is literally an intuition thing. Unless you're going to record every single second of the tape for every day, go over it and say, oh, I bought this breakout here because this seller was a hidden seller that was on the ask and he got chipped away. And It's like, how do you... How do you even define that? Whereas in futures, I'm like, I have three things. If they're bullish, I go long. If I, I go long, here's my entry criteria. Here's my exit criteria. You know, it's way easier to like really define it out in futures, but it's really hard in small caps to do that. Yeah, if you're scalping momentum, you already have time to to analyze in that depth. I think that's why it's more of a gut feeling. That's that's what I was going to say. Sorry, Danny. I was going to say there might be some truth to that because Colby, like like what you were just describing uh, in terms of reading the tape, reading hidden sellers or hidden buyers and all of that action and what you're seeing on the tape versus what is affecting on level two, that's exactly how I trade. And I've gotten to a point where I've, I guess I've become like really pretty good at reading that, but it's really hard to teach that effectively to a more beginning trader because they don't have the experience to number one see that hidden seller or buyer and then and then also the pattern recognition of like what normally happens when you get a pop up to it or down to it or you know what happens with the chart from there how does that affect what that hidden buyer or hidden seller's position might do. Like on LIAN just a minute ago, um, it broke down 15 cents finally because a 50,000 share seller stepped in. And it's, as you get more advanced, you understand that it's not that that seller just popped in all of a sudden, they've been there the whole time. And mm. every time it pops, they're absorbing it and bringing it back down. Um, and so it can be fairly unintuitive at first to understand those things and then and then especially to execute trades on it um, before you have like a level of confidence or conditioning on 
how to actually execute correctly on a stock that moves like that or you know when i started trading early 2020 into 2021 um you know and we all probably learned the typical bear uh bull flag like three one minute uh candlestick type play i hardly remember seeing hidden sellers and hidden buyers at that point the market has developed um so so much and so differently and it's mm -hmm. a lot more complicated than just surface level at this point like it was a few years ago yeah i think you could honestly probably write a legit like 300 page book on just level two and someone could mm -hmm. read that a hundred times and they will suck maybe worse than had <laughs> they not even read it just because and it would be out of date a, in like a year or two yeah, yeah. it's like how are you supposed to do that but a lot of the reason the small caps trading small caps needs to be on intuition is because to backtest a strategy, it's like the small cap, like the strategy, like the setup doesn't obviously doesn't work 100% every time. It doesn't even work sometimes 50% of the time. And by the time you're tracking a setup that is working within the past week, after that one week of data where you could say, okay, they're red to green, it's working like 75% of the time, it's breaking through the highs, holding and running more. By the time you realize that strategy is working, the next day, you know, you may get one more day mm -hmm. of that and then it completely changes. The shorts now know exactly where that where that's going to break out and they, you know, they all jump on at once for the breakout and then it completely flips. And then that's where the short entry is. And then that's fading yeah. for the rest of the day on that red to green. Um, and then you have to completely, you know, change that strategy. So that's why it has to be more off of intuition rather than, you know, structured in a sense is because those setups, the, the pattern changes so quickly because everyone is already adapting like to the new, to the new hot setup of you know, of the week or of the month. Definitely true. Yeah, I agree with that. There's so much variation in small caps. It's just, I mean, everything we're saying is basically more reasons as to why it's extremely hard to make like a legit playbook strategy thing. Like Tom, what you were saying earlier is you want to do that, you know, I'm sure there has to be some way to do it. There's people that are doing it. They're probably just using data though, instead of, like for yeah. me, I can easily write out four things that have to happen for futures because I'm trading the same ticker every day, the same volatility as the same, mm -hmm. it's exactly the same every day. Whereas with that, you kind of have to get like an aggregate of, of everything and be like, oh, for the last month, we only had, uh, let's say you only have 30 small caps that went above 40% intraday. And out of those 40, you know, it'd be like something like the short bear or one of those guys who are like data collectors where they say, oh, last month was slow, not because I just thought it was slow, but because I have all this data that I collected that says the D2 gappers failed in an average of 75%. They went through below the previous day's low. And it's like, you know, how are you supposed to know that unless you're going to do all that data shit, which that's a yeah. whole edge in itself that we don't even fuck with at all. But, I but, don't know. but for large caps, that could, that could work for a couple months. For small caps, that's going to work for a week, and then everyone uses that that yeah. entry as now an exit because they want yeah. to get out before everyone else. I was even watching Relentless Trader. He posted like a short or something, and he was just like marketing in and out like real quick, like you do. And I was just watching, and I was like, it almost looks like you guys have to beat each other. 
because you're the mm -hmm, only yeah. ones like trading it. Like you have to literally be like, okay, Tom, when you enter, you know, relentless is literally going to enter at that same moment. You have to get <laughs> out like before he gets out or he might make yeah. the stock go down enough where it's going to stop you out. You know, I think that that's happening a lot in this current market where um, we aren't seeing a whole lot of really good moves and we aren't especially seeing a whole lot of continuation. So a lot of the small caps traders are kind of like stumbling over each other to beat each other into profit. Um, that's just this current market cycle, though. I think that eventually we we probably will come back into a period where things are working well, setups are working, continuation is working, and it'll be more like working together at that point and having those nicer, cleaner, extended moves yeah. with nice clean pullbacks um so i think you're totally right i think i think it's just this phase of the market though and and you can totally tell it's lower volume on everything all around and everything is kind of choppy and it's because traders are stumbling over each other and taking like five cent scalps instead of trusting that a move is actually yeah. going to work and not selling yeah. their shares in five cents yeah there's no trust in the markets right now yeah which is fine. It's just yeah. a phase. Have you guys seen the whole Madaz stuff on Twitter? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm following that. Isn't that awesome? What about it? So you guys have <laughs> Madaz money. Beast of a trader. Made $12 million in the first three months. of. So this is the whole story of Madaz. I don't know how much he made lifetime, but he traded for like 10 years before 2020. And let's just say it was like, five to seven million he made before 2020 in 2020 itself the first three months he made 12 million but ever since those first three months he's down i think seven or eight million out of that 12 since 2020 in the last two years he's lost like two million i think but it's so interesting to see the evolution of a trader because he so Lance Brightstein, obviously, we all know he loves daily report cards, really in-depth reviews. Why did you fuck this up? Give me like three really good, clean solutions as to how you're going to fix this problem. You know, figure out every single reason why something did happen or didn't happen. And Matt is, is such a trader where he's like, oh, the manipulation, the level two just gets fucking skipped up and the halt bands just fucked me. And, you know, his like explanation of why he loses is just because like life and that's a shitty fucking because excuse. the stock moved so he yeah it's like <laughs> manipulation you know it's like okay well yeah, fuck of you. course like, it is yeah no shit like everything's manipulated how are you gonna make money that's the question and right it's kind of crazy to see him going through this like evolution of absolute number one trader to just like now he can't even do like what a, a first year student could do and he's like he bought some shit the other day and posted on twitter and it was literally like a one minute engulfing candle at the high of day with the most volume of the day on a low float ticker like the number one reason why any person with a brain that trades would say do not buy that pullback and he engulfing bought that pullback to the downside and it, it was a one minute engulfing candle the high of day breakout was like this big the engulfing candle was like oh. that red highest volume of the day it's a low float it's small cap small caps are not running and he bought that and he got skipped down and lost like 15k and he was like oh it's just you know some hidden seller i don't know some stupid excuse and it's like dude you literally bought the worst candle of the day and your excuse yeah. is that manipulation i mean any person that's been trading for a week would know that that's well not really a couple of months would know that that's a bad place to go 
right? So it's like, like a year, trading for year or two. Go see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I used to, I don't know if I still follow him or not on Instagram or if he's just been super quiet, but I used to see so many stories from him about his like special edition Lamborghini and all the upgrades <laughs> and balconies that he's putting on his house in LA and whatever. And um i don't remember if i unfollowed him or if he just doesn't post anymore but i have not seen any of that in the last couple of years from him okay. it's kind of it's unfortunate it's kind of sad to see somebody who just killed it on the memes and can't keep up in the current market yeah and he literally pushes size to a level that's just it's it's unfathomably dumb There's... i mean he's using like 50k shares on a ticker that has like yeah like like 700k volume on the day and it's like there's no no liquidity for that size in this market yeah it just makes no like sense you would, and he can't you would be able to do better trading half that size way better and he's always like oh i could easily make a thousand to four thousand a day i then fucking do it what are you well, waiting then for? do it make four, yeah four thousand a day <laughs> exactly. is a million dollars a year i mean you're losing a million dollars a year right now yeah. Because you're trying to make 50K in a market that's yeah. fucking terrible. It's just crazy. I don't know what what the hell broke in his fucking brain that makes him think that any of that shit's a good idea. I don't know. It's scary. Well, I think it's kind of like the hanging <laughs> on to the strategy that paid him so well years ago. But unfortunately, he's given back so much of the gains that he's not really in a great position to trade the next hot market very well. It's fucking Jesse Livermore make a billion dollars in the Great Depression and then lose it all. Is that what happened yeah. to him? Yeah, he made a billion in the Great Depression. Well, a billion in today's uh, money. Like today's and dollars. Then, yeah, and then he he died fully 100% broke. He went uh, like moon and back and back like at least a couple times, right? I have no idea. I just know he lost he, it all before he died. That's he, he committed suicide from that right is that what i heard <laughs> did he really jeez i think he committed suicide yeah shit but yeah he's uh definitely a, a, i think it's in the book i don't you guys didn't read the book reminiscence no, of a stock operator um no i, I think that's, read that that's why i feel like a lot of people stop trading after they make a few million because they're just like <laughs> this the smart is a ones roller, yeah it's a like a roller coaster game yeah i mean yeah. You can make a couple million in the market. You, I don't know, people, certain people can make a couple million in the market uh, fairly quickly. And then if you're smart enough to hang on to most of it, um, you know, thinking about four to 5% returns per year, if you have 2 million, 3 million, you know, that's 100,000, 120,000 or so just in yeah. residual passive cash with yeah. a very conservative uh return rate dude the thing that scares me is the fact that there's things that we have to tackle in trading that don't exist until we break a certain experience level like yeah. that exact thing like let's say you make whatever you have three years in a row where you make like 100k 150 then 200 and then your fourth year it, everything starts to kind of wither away a little bit you lose like 50k how that's not a thing you're going to have to ever experience until you're at that level already, which is like, th say, three to five years into trading. 
And then you have to learn how to not give away all of the money you've made when your strategy yeah. doesn't work anymore. Like that's mm -hmm. a whole, that's a whole skill that you have to, comp that you learn that it's totally unrelated to the whole first beginning stage of trading. Yeah. And if you fuck totally up that agree. part, you can delete everything. All of it. I totally it's agree. Like, that was, that was last year for me completely. I, this year I for nearly me. had a, I nearly had a red year last year. Um, but luckily I didn't barely and had to relearn and re-strategize and figure out like, yeah, I had, I had like three years of profit in a row, but it wasn't that much, all things considered. How do we move forward from here? Like Alex, you could probably talk about that. I'll tell you what, man, like, don't use your your earnings, your big winnings, uh, and invest it in a new strategy. Um, you learn a new strategy from scratch with a small account, doing the same crap you did, you know, before you had a lot of money. Um, I mean, it's just like you know, I remember I just went with the options trade, and I just made like a quick what was it like ten k. Uh, I just used massive size. And then I, I did the second trade or like three more trades and I basically lost the 10K again. Um, that, that's exactly my experience with options too. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it was absurd. So it was like, why am I using such big size? Like, what if I did that when I made a million dollars with day trading and then all of a sudden, you know, I do that with options. That would be absurd. I've done that before with business. I've had a really good business before and then I steamrolled or bankrolled another business that was a failing business with the profits of the successful business that was a really bad idea so you know don't do I've, I've definitely learned this lesson maybe three or four times in my life and i'm i'm getting very aware of when i start doing this mistake because it's such a natural thing to want to do it's like oh yeah let me increase my revenue stream so i have this money mm -hmm. let me put it over here but it's it's not like that because these are high risk uh, endeavors. It's not like I'm taking money mm -hmm. and I'm putting into like a, a dividend stock or the SPY or some index fund or some annuity or or something like that. You know, I'm I'm putting basically hard earned money into another high risk asset, and that is something you don't want to do with your life. So if I think to avoid the problem of losing a bunch of money as a day trader, like if you do branch out to new strategies, like for me, I try to always practice my swing trading and. I've lost a lot of money swing trading. I'm actually pretty much net zero at this point with my swing trading. And I've made a lot and I lost a lot. But so I'm, I'm slowly learning it. But a lot of times I would make a lot of money with a small account swing trading. And then, you know, I was like, okay, I'm ready. Let me put my, you know, I have, oh, I have 80K in here. Let me start swing trading with it. And then boom, before you know it, I just gave back 20K. And I was like, oh, well, that was stupid. Um, so it's, you know, it's, if you're going to start a new business or if you're going to start a new strategy, let that be bootstrapped or at, or have some sort of funding or investment that's not related to you, I would say. Um, or other, otherwise, that <clears throat> new business or that new strategy is going to be a major black hole. And that frustration is going to is going to wrap is going to go right into your your current uh, bread and butter, you know, whatever's making you money, your golden goose. That's what happened to me again in Q1, Q2. I uh, was so focused on different strategies that all of a sudden my my golden goose, I was so frustrated, I could barely uh, trade front side. So I just, I had to stop making a lot of stupid mistakes, throwing money away uh, because it creates a lot of stress. So 
I think, you know, we talked about this in a former pod, but it's basically like, you know, if you make a million dollars with day trading, I wouldn't take that money and then start trying to play options. I would take that money and uh, put it into something very, very safe. So at least you yeah. don't have to worry about money anymore. I think that's yeah. really smart. Um, and like with businesses, just like trading, eventually you start to realize like, where does it make sense to put your money? Like which trades are the good trades that keep paying you? What's the opportunity yeah. cost? Where does it make sense to use that money? Yeah. And some of the bigger, bigger, best traders who I know, who I'm friends with through Warrior, um, one of the smartest things that I see them do all the time is either when they've made a good bit or when they have been finding choppiness in the market or choppiness in their recent PL, they'll take like 80% out of their account so they can't lose it. They're not trading with it anymore. And then they'll grow that account back up. And yeah. um, just recently, a couple of weeks ago, was the first time I had ever done that. My goal, or not really goal, but my thought this year was just to let the account grow and grow and grow and at the end of the year, see how where I'm at. Um, but I had been going through a drawdown for long enough that I was like, I'm going to take 80% out of my account and kind of just start fresh. And it helps with mindset for sure, but also yeah. just protecting your capital. Totally agree. That's, yeah. that's one problem I have because I'm primarily trading my Roth IRA. So like taking funds mm -hmm. out of that account isn't as much of an option. Although yeah. I like to think about put like, it into I, other positions. Yeah, you could. Yeah. And that's, that's what I do often with my swing trades. <laughs> that's where I, that's where I'm bankrolling my swing trades for my day trading profit. Yeah. And it gets me a lot of holes. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, but uh, yeah, I need to put it in very safe things. Uh, and you yeah. can buy safe things through your IRA. It's not like you could just only buy, you know, uh, stocks or something like that. So I, um, I need to be a little bit more open-minded with that, but I do like growing my IRA because if I grow it from, I basically put in $0 at this point. I took, I took out all my principal and, you know, I'm pretty confident that I can grow to a million dollars. And that means I just grew $0 to a million dollars tax-free ultimately. And, um, uh, that's pretty amazing. And if I want to take out hundred K, I would still pay taxes on that hundred K like it's income tax. And then I would pay the 10% penalty fee, but I'll pay the $10,000 on a hundred K penalty fee because I just saved, you know, paying $400,000 yeah. in taxes. So it's still worth the penalty fee growing in your IRA. Yeah, that's true. Just hearing that thought process and talking about trading an IRA and all of this and tax-free benefits, even if you have a hard time finding a lot of long-term consistency or like even if it takes the next 15 or 20 years to grow that to a million, you're still so well positioned financially with financial literacy and literal finances that it's just a cool journey trading in yeah. general. Yeah, totally agree with that. Totally just to kind of uh, bounce off of that is... Sorry. Oh, sorry, just just to kind of bounce off of that, I was just going to say, um, yeah, we already like as traders, we already have access to take pretty much an infinite amount of risk, more risk than we'd ever want to. So why would you want to layer that with another level of risk that you're not even proven to be profitable or even, you know, if you're already profitable as a trader, you, you can just scale. if you want to take more risk, just scale it up, take more size. You don't need to 
to mm-hmm. jump yeah. into something else that's may not even be as proven to be as profitable. And even, yeah. you know, even if it was, is it to the level of trading something that you've already been doing for a long time, you can kind of, you know, kind of trust your statistics more. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Why would you want to, to, to kind of spoil those gains into something that's not fr- as proven? Totally agree. And that's uh, really well said. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point as well. It's like, I think that that's a really good way to go sideways for a long time, make some gains yeah. on one strategy, try a different strategy for some reason, give them back, go back to your first strategy, make it back. Yeah, this is my 2023. <laughs> yeah. So I think I had to get slapped in the face by that yeah. at least once really hard. Um, I think I think do it trying that like once, maybe twice, and then moving on makes sense. It's like, oh, that didn't work the first time. Maybe I can make some adjustments, see if it'll work a second time. But you know, past that, it's like, why do you keep trying the same thing that isn't working and, and expect it to be different this time? Yeah, totally agree. What were you saying, Colby, before I I started speaking? I was just going to say it's crazy to think there because Danny was saying how cool it is to be financially illiterate. And I was like, there's people out there that don't even know that Roth IRAs exist. (laughs) Like, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. When I learned about them, I was like, what? (laughs) I know, right? And then you you can trade in them and you're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. That too. Trade in my IRA. And you could you tell other people about that, and they're like, "No, no, that can't yeah. be." You're like, "Look, um, this is Ross Cameron. He made a million dollars in his IRA. Look, you're yeah. like, check it out." <laughs> I've been watching, or not necessarily watching, but I followed a guy on Instagram recently, Caleb Hammer. I don't know if you guys have heard yeah. of him or watched him at all. And yeah. what he does is he interviews people who are like in debt or making bad financial decisions and he tries to turn them around and oh my God, the, the decisions that people make, it's like, mm-hmm. congrats, you got a, a Camaro on an 84 month loan at 20% interest. What a cool <laughs> car. You're like in debt for life. It's Great. insane. And yeah. then people, a lot of people just don't know any better. They want their monthly payment to be like 300, 400 or whatever. And they don't understand that the length of time and the interest rate for that $50,000 car, you're going to end up paying like $120,000 over the next 10 years. Yeah. Good investment. But the sad part is that's, that's the most of the people. Um, Yeah. I, I mean, I, I take calls for people from various banks and credit unions and I get to look at their account and a lot of it is their mindset is, wait, I have a thousand dollars. I mean, an overdraft. Yeah. You have a thousand dollars in overdraft and you get $30 fees every time you use it. But, um, yeah, like a lot of people are, you know, negative in their account. They have really bad, like, you know, they line of credits for 20% interest rate, personal loans, like very high rates, um, it's it's there've been very just a lot of people i'd say 90% of the callers 9 out of 10 people are in very 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 bad financial situations and i'm mm-hmm. thinking like if i was in their situation i would be crippled with anxiety of just trying to get <laughs> just, to the next month if you had um, if you had it's, a clue, it's really you'd bad. file for bankruptcy yeah you'd file for bankruptcy or and just or like there's, there's a lot of there's also a lot of old people that are 
that mm-hmm. are just living off of social security for 1500 a month. And, um, they, they get, they call me in, they're like, it's my social security check hit. And I'm like, no, it didn't hit yet. And he's like, Oh man, I'm gonna have to go another month, uh, with $12 in my account. It's just, I don't know how some of these people are surviving. It's really bad. Wow. That is terrifying. Yep. Barely That's my little eggs. rant on that. It's, it's really yeah. bad. Yeah. I, I, I I'm very, I, I do feel very bad for some of these people in these situations uh, when I do take them on the phone and I try to give them advice, but you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, as I don't know how well that, that goes if they ever take it, but you know, sometimes they're just in a position where it's so far, so far deep in the red or deep in the hole that it, it's very hard to turn around. Mm-hmm. That's so wild to think that our economy is just built in a way to just make sure that continues to occur. Yeah. So it's fucking weird. It makes me think about the education system at least a little bit because financial literacy was no part of my education yeah. through high school or anything. And um, growing up in the DC area, I was in one of the top school districts in the entire country and we didn't learn about any of that. Dude, and- how easy would it be to, you could literally just go into a class. It's the whole class <clears throat> is called life. And the first thing you do is you say, what do you want your life to be? Do you want two kids? Do you want a house? Do you want a townhouse, a condo? You want to live near the ocean? You want to live (laughs) All right. How do we get there? You build your life out and then you you get a job, right? You get to pick your job. You get to pick what your salary would be. You get to look at your monthly expenses. Where are you going to put the money you save? What are you going to do? It'd be so easy and it'd be fun. Every kid can like fun. be awesome every kid would have a blast so easy learn how to like the second you get your first paycheck the teacher comes right by swipes that shit out of your hand taxes (laughs) motherfucker (laughs) like i'm the irs like this is what that means saved some money and you get to decide like do you keep saving that and reinvest half of it or whatever or do you buy your your camaro or whatever it is that you want to have right now and then you get graded on that decision and like your financial health at the end of the semester or whatever there's Every three months, there's like a different. random expense you weren't expecting. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many different ways that you could be teaching the same concepts of like um, uh, interest and growth and inflation and and all these important concepts, but actually just using real life examples. And Can the school great. district come by and just like hire insiders, and we'll just <laughs> yeah. we'll go. We'll go and talk to the schools. Yeah, imagine. Yeah. Scare them straight. Yeah, yeah he's taking everyone's freaking lunch money. He's like, <laughs> Ron Swanson, just taking a bite out uh, of all of the kids' sandwiches. Yeah, for real. Taxes. 37% is mine. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. I, li- I like and the example of the uh, the marshmallow experiment of kids sitting in a room and some kids uh, eat the marshmallow right away while some kids wait, you know, an extra hour and sit in the chair, and look at the marshmallow for an hour and they get another one. I think that most people would eat the marshmallow right away. And I think there's a high, high consistency of successful people who do wait the hour to get the, the marshmallow or, you know, take the long road to, um, guarantee success rather than taking the gains now or trying to take the take the personal loan at a high interest rate now to try to pay off or whatever do whatever with it uh, but then you're saddled up with that paying that off for a long time uh, rather than 
you know, taking it a bit more conservatively to kind of more, more so guarantee um, growth in the end. I think humans are just inherently risk takers. We just like taking risks. We like thinking that there's the potential for outsized returns. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I tried to learn some stuff about psychology, but then you get into like the third study of like gambling and you're just like, whoa, 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 what, what, the, what, what, huh? And it's just like so conf like confusing, but uh, yeah, yeah, like it's pretty, it's pretty obvious that the fact that casinos exist at all and slot machines are a thing and literally every human being on the planet knows that you just don't win ever and they do it every day all the time is just that's horrible i am yeah that says a lot about humanity honestly have you guys ever gambled in a casino before i have it poker i yeah. i have but uh yeah nothing like serious it was more like I had credits because I was staying at this casino place and I was like 50 euros or something. It was with my brother. And we basically, if you don't use it, you like you lose it. Right. So then Heiko and I were, I don't yeah. know what we did. We did, we did a little of everything from slots to like from slots to tables to I, we, we both lost the money. We was up and down and up and down. Eventually we lost it. But yeah, that was, that was my one gambling day. I mean, technically we're day traders, but I don't view dating. Yeah. I don't view trading as gambling. <laughs> <laughs> no no Shouldn't slots be. are the worst though slots are like slots straight are... up like you you know you're losing money because uh, you can't beat the odds like you can't you can't. you can't there's no way for the odds to be in your favor and blackjack okay maybe if you can count maybe. cards poker maybe if you know you know your hand and the statistics of each hand and the statistics a and the probability of somebody else yeah. having a better hand than you um even the you know, in those situations i get it yeah, yeah the roulette, the roulette table, table yeah if you if 49%. you you know how it's like you could you could bet on black or, or red well there's still that one green zero right yep <laughs> yeah so that makes it makes it 49 percent or 48 percent uh whatever <laughs> something like that Which, yeah. so it is no yeah, way like, I, it, I was just saying no way why, in, who, who in the right mind would want to would want to do that you know knowing that you're gonna lose money and then that's why add I did, on I the fact the slots once just because I wanted to see what rush it was. I mean, there's a lot of flashing lights, but yeah, I'm already <laughs> not one of those people that like that stuff. But I was like, I don't get this. You know, like I'm happy I tried it, but I just I don't there's so many people around me that were like zombies. And I was like, Yeah, dude, what I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, add on the flashy yeah. lights and you got it traps pretty much most zombified people who just can't really make a decision and kind of just go by their emotions and so they need to play some what Asian feels good. Get a life. They just go for what <laughs> feels good. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, we are led we by dopamine take? hits. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, Colby, you Poker, had though? you had some. Uh, I was just gonna say, me and my buddy went to the casino. We took like, I mean, I literally only took an amount of money that I was hundred percent losing for sure. So I went <laughs> yeah. there and I and I just went to the. Right, I guess yeah, it. it's roulette. Yeah, I just went to roulette and I was like, I'm betting black five times and just see what happens. Yeah, and that's and every dude around me is like seven, uh, 12, like putting all this money yeah. on like six things. And I'm I was just looking at them like, <laughs> no, that's fucking stupid. And these guys are like just old men that are just they just put it in the year old dudes, like, yeah, they're like, oh, I'm fucking get half but of streets, whatever it's the fuck really that means. sad, like yeah. actual gambling. Obviously, and I was makes like, the no best sense. I know things like poker, so blackjack. There are ways 
to have skill at it, but just actual gambling. Yeah. It's, it's literally a disease. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, there is a chance that I could hit the jackpot. And so it makes sense for me to lose <laughs> all of my money first. Crazy. But there is a chance. That's <laughs> there is a chance. Yeah. The I funny, can get it. So you're Bro, telling the me there's a is... chance. <laughs> There's yeah, slot machine it's not players zero. that would fucking there's slot machine players that would watch this shit or just gamblers, people like that. And they'll be like, Yeah, trading is gambling too. <laughs> They're not watching yeah, this anymore. They already clicked off this page. <laughs> well, if you're if you're a slot machine player, please leave a comment below. I would just love yeah. to your your perspective. With, with consistent success. Years. Yeah. <laughs> I need to see Way to erase like, all the comments. How I need to see like three years worth of making money consistently yeah that's weird yeah otherwise I, it I have one matter. i have one grandma um she is diehard lottery player and i always give her a hard time because she's still renting she lives in the same house she lives in since i think it was the 60s it's she's been in this place for so long and she she's been paying rent every month and i'm like I'm like Helga. If you <laughs> if you mm-hmm. just bought this house, there's your lottery ticket. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like don't play lottery. Like it's your house, uh, especially in the '60s. You know, oh my God, she'd be sitting on yeah. like easy. At North there's probably like six raspberries point. for that house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> six raspberries and one like strawberry max. I'll give you my cow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude, it's crazy. But I don't know. Some people. Some people just don't fundamentally get it. And uh, she, you know, I th- somehow she gets joy out of the lottery. And I, I don't yeah. know. Like, and she'll be like, yeah, this time I made $12. But I'm like, did the ticket cost you $20? Like, yeah. uh, but but there's not even that, like, uh, you know, profit margin, revenue, expense, like that whole, it's just yeah, gone. They're just not business people, period. I don't know. They're right. spirit, like the opposite. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. It's horrible. It's depressing. <laughs> another another <laughs> issue that um, I find that a lot of people fall into, including myself, I'm sure a lot of you guys fell into this, fall into this too, is you only want to read stuff or watch things that verify your already beliefs that you have <clears throat> instead of looking at things that, that are falsifying, yeah. that could potentially falsify what you believe. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and that is just to, to kind of save your ego. And that's also another mm-hmm. issue with learning to trade and we're learning to get better is because you're afraid to kind of look at those, the failures or the, uh, the things that may not be working out, but you don't want to go through the effort to change them. Um, yeah. because it's easier just to kind of keep going, you know, wait it out. Oh, it's going to change. Oh, the market's going to change or the market is this or the market is that. Mm. Our our ego and worldview are so precious and fragile and important until you go through shattering them enough times to realize yeah. they're not and change something and yeah. and admit that you're wrong, admit defeat, whatever. Um, I've been doing jujitsu for a couple months now, and I really like the coach. He at the end of class frequently talks about that kind of thing in terms of um or like when we're sparring, rolling with each other, um, especially to anybody new, he's like, just tap. If you're in a bad position or getting choked, or if you're uncomfortable or if something hurts or whatever, just tap. It's just a, it's not like you suck, you lose, 
thing. It's just reset and start over and go from there. And trading especially is difficult like that when you have to go through being wrong and failing so much in order to finally find some success or consistency, which uh, most people just don't. Yeah, I think it's kind of common that 99% of the time, whenever you see a human being that has like a problem, it's extremely obvious to every single person except that person. And it's just mm -hmm. like that quote that's like, you believe every single thing. Or what, how does it fucking go? I question everything. You built it up. I want to hear I know. it now. Fuck, damn it. <laughs> I, question, I question everything about, um, I question everything except for the things that I actually believe. The things like you actually belief. believe. Yeah, I, yeah. I've never question those. Yeah. Like Whatever. the, like yeah, the things up. you you believe unconditionally are true. Yeah, and, and you those never times, dude. I just had one of those revelations when I, you know, that video I came out with with oxalates and and like certain vegetables. My whole life, you know, you, I've been told spinach is healthy. I didn't even think twice about it. You know, that was such a belief that I held. And then I was like, wait a second, like if if it like kids back in the day everyone knew don't feed your kids spinach because you can kill your kid like that was common knowledge like literally like 50 years ago and we mm. we have just totally forgot things like that because a lot of these vegetables you have to cook it and prepare it in certain ways or you have to eat it very minimally because they're just so toxic as well which makes sense you don't just go to any tree and just start biting into it uh you know there's there's only certain amount of vegetables you can eat and even those are still quite toxic so like when that was one of those like moments where i was like you know slap me and call me <laughs> like and i was just like mm -hmm. you know i like i still have a hard time accepting it because it's just like, again you go your whole life believing one thing and uh i don't know after you have enough of those moments you're just like what what else is like a giant lie and uh you know dude i got a good thing <laughs> i got a really good one Dude, this shit this shit has been hitting me like crazy for the past two weeks because something really weird has happened with me with trading it's trading it's trading related all right fuck i don't have like a purple butthole all right like <laughs> so I don't know like, anyone was thinking that i was like what's the craziest shit i could say right now that's that's what popped into my head so a little insight into the colby mind Colby must but, have uh, some serious hemorrhoids I think that's a i think that's maybe a personal problem i don't think anything anyone was thinking that <laughs> no yeah all right all right calm down calm down all right. <laughs> give me my stage all right fuck relax um so every every trader when you start trading everyone is always like oh trading is all psychology psychology is super important as we all know like of course it's important but something i've realized that uh super surprising to me is that so ever so you guys know i've been trying to make a system right i want to be a system trader i want to only trade whenever my system tells me to trade i don't want to ever make a personal decision based on my own feelings or my intuition anything like that i only want to trade the system and ever since i've been doing that for like a full month i've realized that like 95 percent of all the psychological problems that i've had with trading are completely gone now and it's super fucking weird because the only reason that happens is because now when I take a trade, it is completely unrelated to me. So if I win or lose, it is completely does not matter about if me making the decision because I didn't make a decision. I only read my system objectively and the data says, yeah, go or don't go. 
And if I go and I win, that's great. I traded the system. If I go and I lose, that's great. I still traded the system. So I've been having all these weird moments where like I'll get into a trade and I'll be like, wow, I would have never bought that trade before because this feels like it's extended, but I'll buy it now because my <clears> system told me to and I'll win on it and it'll be like, well, what changed? It wasn't because my psychology was wrong before and I was just scared. Now I have a system that tells me you buy when this happens. And when that happens, I buy. I don't sit around and think about, you know, this, 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 this. It's just telling me go, I take it. So it's really cool because, and this is something these guys that I've been trading with from the Lance Breitstein, like discord thing, they've taught me this and they were saying how like all of them are like super systematic people. And some of them have made millions of dollars trading already. Um, and all of their advice is always like, you should never make a decision ever based on your personal feelings. Everything should be systematized. Every entry should be systematized. Every exit should be systematized. So like something that whenever we first started the pod, you guys were talking about how small caps are very inconsistent. You know, one day it's an awesome breakout, goes 400%. Next day the breakout flushes, it loses 50% of its gains, whatever. And... I was thinking about how cool it is that my system now kind of the, in my system, there's a way to know if the market's going to be choppy or not. And like Tom came into our disc, my discord today. And he was like, should we buy this breakout on the spy? And I was looking at my system and I was like, well, according to what I have here, it's um, if three out of three internals are trending together, then it's good. If they're not, it's usually going to be choppy. And there's different ways of analyzing that. And I told Tom, I was like, according to what I have in front of me, the market may break out, but it's probably going to be choppy and not be very good either way. So there's no point in even trying to trade because if you're not going to trade a scenario where you are absolutely sure that at least something good can happen, why would you even trade it? If I'm pretty sure that it's going to be choppy and nothing's going to be good, well, my entry could be perfect and my idea could be perfect, but I could still lose just because the market doesn't have enough volume behind it to go to where I want it to go. So it's like, mm. it's really cool because... I'm not making decisions anymore based off of anything other than things that I've studied to be true or not true. And whenever I make a mistake, it doesn't feel like I'm personally making a mistake. It feels like my system is flawed slightly. And like, there's that one quote by like, um, what's his name? The dude who wrote market wizards, Marty Schwartz or whatever his name is. It was something like, you fall to the limits of your system, not to the limits of your ability to perform. So the amount of money you make is related to how good your strategy is. It's not related to how good you are as a human. Like if you don't have a strategy that's good enough to make a million dollars, you're not going to make a million dollars. Your strategy might just be subpar, you know? And that's something that I think that most, most younger traders don't ever think of shit like that because it's so hard to start. But these guys that I've been talking to, they were describing how they started. And it was really cool because it's literally the exact same way I started. You start with a sentence that's a very broad rule. Never go long below VWAP. Never go short above VWAP. Very simple rule. Do that for a month, whatever, and then start adding and subtracting things to that sentence. Never go long below VWAP and short whenever the 90 MA gets touched short whenever there's a new five minute high and a downtrend, whatever. And you just keep adding to that sentence until eventually you can basically delete like 90% of any intraday price action. Because as we know, as traders, the whole, the whole thing of trading is we're literally making a 50, 50 guess at any moment we go an up or down period. 
And the hardest part of trading is there's so many chances for you to make that guess. But if you can delete like 90% of the price action by creating a system that tells you trade whenever these five things happen, that immediately is already going to give you a more edge than the average human being because the average human being is just like, oh, we're up on the day. We're up 1%. I'm going along at the open. My stop is at low of day and I hope we go. That's the whole, that's their whole strategy. That's not going to work because that's way too broad. You need to have like multiple factors leading into that. So if you're a beginner and you're listening to this, please start that as soon as you can, especially if you're trading um, large caps or futures, because that's absolutely required. I don't know about small caps, but. I think it's required to a point with small caps. I think that it's more crucial with large caps because there's not. I mean, there's some level of of intuition and feeling with all trading, but especially with large caps, they respect levels and trends so, so much stronger than small caps, which are highly manipulated. And anybody that sends a 50 or 100,000 share order, that's going to have a huge effect on the price. And some big trader can just do that when they feel like it. Um, But your quote reminded me, and it made me look up um, from James Clear, Lance Arm, uh, Lance Breitstein's favorite book, uh, Atomic Habits, the quote is, you don't, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. Same yeah. thing that you said, basically just different author of the same idea. But I mean, it's totally true. And it goes back even to what I was saying towards the beginning about writing out my system and my strategy and, and everything about how I trade last year. And, um, I don't know if it's directly related to me having a really, really good year this year, but um, has the right idea at least. I like that, Colby. I think it applies to uh, many things in life, you know, have a system, have a routine, have a, uh, you know, have a strategy, a bad strategy is better than no strategy because at least you know what to fix, you know? Uh, And uh, I like that part also that it keeps you away from being emotional towards yourself. You're like, Oh, you're not beating yourself up because you did some impulsive decision. You uh, you're able to see it from a kind of a bird's eye view, like kind of detach yourself from yourself. And I I think that's so important with training because once you get on tilt, man, it's over. And Mm -hmm. I've, I've definitely, you know, this, this crap, crappy market that we're in right now, it's, uh, you know, you do a few big trades in a a row and you're red and you see, you see red. And for me, I've been kind of applying that by limiting my exposure to the market, just trying to close TUS, uh, when I think I'm done and then I'll, I'll come back if people are saying something's hot, um, and then try to, you know, jump on it quick, but yeah, exposure is, uh, is for me, it's really bad, but yeah, I have my system in place. I always outline all my things. And I think that's, that's really important. I try to have a system with, with everything I do. I think that's fundamental. Yeah. Hope yeah, you have noticed different that. results since a couple of weeks ago, or since you started implementing that. Yeah. Um, I don't really like even thinking about saying anything about my results until it's like three months have passed just because I, every single time I say anything good about anything I'm doing trading, I completely fuck it up the very next second. So I don't even, I've had, I've been trading well for a month. Like my stats are good. They're within my expectations, all this stuff, you know, I'm definitely happy with where I'm at, but the thing that is extremely interesting to me is the fact that I feel so much less um, like it's my fault 
which is just so cool mm-hmm. because I just, I mean, it's like, oh man, like how fucking mad is, can you possibly, like, I've never been more angry at anything in the whole fucking world in my entire life until I go long and I get stopped out at the bottom and it goes up a hundred points. Like that is the number one. That is like, if there's just one thing that can absolutely we just can send me into a fucking, <laughs> just, I'm going to kill everything. It's that. Amen. But, Amen. but now, yeah, bottom now with, yeah, exactly. But now with the system, like, uh, I don't do that shit first of all, but if I did do something like that and it was within my system, it's not my fault because the system literally said, this is a potential area where we may do something like that and whatever. And I'm, I mean, of course I can still get stopped out at the highs and do all those kinds of things, but on a general trade to trade basis, the amount of, of it's like just lowering the occurrence of tilt and the occurrence of me seeing this, the problem as me rather than the system. And it's cool too, because then when the day's over, if you lose and you're like, well, it wasn't me, it was the system. You want to work on the system. So I go into right. my system and I'm like, here's, here's an implement, here's a solution I can implement tomorrow that might make this system 1% better. And you just keep doing that every single day. And then eventually you have this extremely robust system that you've built over years of trading and and it works just way better and it, it fixes every psychological issue you cannot i don't give a fuck if you are buddha reincarnated if you don't have edge or a strategy you are not making a dollar in the stock market ever i don't give a shit okay there's that's just a fact of nature and for people to say that right when you start trading oh you need to like start working on your psychology no the fuck you don't you're gonna be tilted you're five, you're going to be tilted, you're 10, it's not going to go away. You're still going to get bottom ticked and top ticked and it's going to piss you off. But if you have a strategy, at least you have something to work on and something to blame rather than yourself because you can't yeah. just sit and meditate all day and expect to get better at trading. That's just not going to work. I think there's a lot to be said for that and especially trading small caps with a loose system. Sometimes yeah. it can be really easy to blame yourself for taking the wrong trade or like Matt as example, buying the engulfing bearish candle and that kind of stuff. And like, I think that there is monetary value and gains and returns in just having that sense of calm behind you in your trading Mm -hmm. or when you're executing trades versus just like an underlying feeling of stress and frustration which is just not a good place to trade from. Um, It's kind of funny, but probably true. Scared money don't make money. Um, Yeah, it's definitely true. That's so true that like, the the perfect move happens, you're too scared to trade it, then it happens and you FOMO and then you you extra lose money. Yeah. Yeah. I'm drawing a lot of parallels right now from what Kobe said. (laughs) Because, like, that's exactly my problem. Like, I don't have a clear-cut system, so every time I have a bad day, I blame it on myself, and then I just beat beat up my confidence, and then I it prohibits me from taking any sides. And because yeah. I can't define a, a good setup, I can't define where, you know, the proper entry is, the proper exit, other than hindsight. So just having that system, I think, mm-hmm. is going to help me uh, move forward. So thank you, Colby, for, for saying that, because that's what I'm working on um yeah of course one thing that was really helpful for me earlier this year that I've, i think i've been doing well this year is trading the actual chart and the chart pattern and 
what I think can play out. And, you know, I have an idea in my head or a vision in my head of what I think can play out, but I'm always trading what is actually happening. But um, taking my entries based on if it dips here, does the chart still look good, especially if it reclaims or bounces from that dip? Or would I be buying an, an area that looks like maybe a bad place to buy at that point? And taking my trades based on that kind of idea and actually trading the chart pattern rather than arbitrary five, 10 cents here, there, I think yeah. has been a really helpful point for me. That's a bit yeah. how I trade too. I, I feel like when I trade, I, I trade like what people talk about with chess, where you try to think like a couple moves ahead. And ultimately yeah. I am visualizing what I would like to see in the chart happen. If it yeah. doesn't happen, then I'm like, I'm not aligning with this ticker. I'm going to ease off. And when it does happen, I'm like, I'm in the flow with this ticker. Yeah. Like I need to start sizing. I still might do poor execution, but that's typically how I go about thinking about a ticker at any given time. Uh, so I'm always even like a pullback. I'll be like, okay, last, you know, couple pullbacks were all like 15%. So, and then I'll, you know, draw out lines or I'll have a game plan. And then mm -hmm. I'm like, exactly like Danny said, does this actually now that the pullback happened, are the different timeframes aligning still, or is mm -hmm. it now not in play anymore? And then just, you know, kind of seeing if I'm I'm correct in terms of how I'm thinking about this ticker. And uh, if I'm totally out of a flow on a ticker and I keep getting my visualization wrong, I typically don't trade those tickers. And uh, and that's where I can make mistakes if I start, you know, trading emotionally or getting on tilt because I'll stop doing that. I'll, I'll sometimes do an insanely good visualization and I'll be up like a thousand bucks and then I'll get bored or emotional or distracted and I do random trading. And that's often where I get back most of my profit yeah yeah that's the worst so market Just exposure again for me <laughs> yeah yeah mindlessly trading and yeah. and that's the problem with beginners is like again if anyone's beginner watching us the worst thing you could do the worst thing you could do is just kind of just show up every day mindlessly trade and then just shut down your computer and be done for the day yeah. and you come back tomorrow that's the worst thing you can do in the beginning without Holy learning crap. anything you literally you yeah. yeah you have to be so intentional um, mm -hmm. when you first start. And that's what something I wish I did when I first started was being more intentional with my, with my strategy, like more intentional with also with just learning after hours or pre-market, like studying my trades, being more intentional on where exactly should the entry be, the exit be, the level two, the news catalyst, like logging all that data. And that's something I wish I would have done like when I first began, because when I first began, I kind of just showed up every day, kind of just mindlessly traded and hopefully I was green um, and not blow up. Uh, and then it took me a while to really start to put in some intention in my studies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess it was so dangerous, man, to just trade yeah. and just think that reps is going to make you better. It's yeah. just so not true. I was thinking that too. Reps. Yeah. And the intent, yeah. Because Ross, you know, in the beginning said like, it's better if you just show like do one trade a day when you're new and yeah. understand what you're trading. And at first I was like, but you know, you got to get your reps in, but ultimately yeah. what he's telling you to do is have a game plan and you wait for that setup. And that's, mm -hmm. that's really where the value is. Cause you're, you're not just, okay, I'm going to do one random trade a day. It's more like, okay, I have a system. You got to first make that system yeah. and then you got to wait till that thing happens. And then you you get in, you get out before you get emotional and start doing stupid stuff for the next three hours. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can actually yeah. learn from it. 
when you're only yeah. taking like one to five trades, you really get to study each of them. And you can even have full on recordings of each of them. And it's only five trades to watch through again, like maybe 25 minutes worth of content. It yeah. makes it a lot easier to add. Like I would think exponentially speed up your learning process and growth process. And it's not at all what I did at the beginning, which Me is neither. why it probably took a long time to figure it out. But yeah, no one's going to watch two hours of screen recording. But yeah, if it's like it's a 15 minutes and you could even maybe cut it down more than that. And then you just kind of reanalyze it. And then you maybe analyze the whole chart, the daily and you the news and you think the float. Yeah, that's that's the way to go for sure. Even just like collecting objective data, like that shit is extremely important. Like obviously whenever we're trading, we, we kind of intuitively know like, okay, well, we're above yesterday's high. We're breaking mm -hmm. out in the pre-market. We have new highs of day coming in every five minutes, you know, X, Y, Z, these things. But you should, whenever you're starting out, you really should be listing every single one of those things. So you're just noticing that every time, like the spy if you trade SPY at all, it's never going to have a good green day if we're stuck in the previous day's range. If we're stuck between yesterday's daily candle, it's not going to go anywhere. We have to break out of something before we can get any room to go anywhere. And there's just like, you know, yeah. when you're trading, you kind of have to separate the two versions of yourself. One person wants to make money, which is the gambler, and one person wants to be a systematic trader. And if you're, you can either be a gambler or you can be like a data analyst and the data analyst is going to be making money because the system tells, gives them objective information and the gambler will just be like, breakout, go, you know, and they just want to get long <laughs> because we're breaking out, yep. high day, you know, so. Steven Ducks is probably one of the best traders when it comes to analyzing, at least one of the more popular, uh, ones that we know public traders, but yeah, he's, he's really good at, uh kind of analyzing the stocks, thinking about how much each one pulls back, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, since we're going over a little bit here on time, I think we could probably leave the game plans because I think we kind of already know what, what the game plans are. We've kind of discussed it here. And uh, yeah. um, we'll we'll focus on game plans next week. Nothing really has changed that much anyway. Uh, so any, any final thoughts anyone wants to leave the pod with? Maybe no, um yeah you if you if you, if you want to follow my uh daily report cards i'm going to be posting them in uh trade journal on under my uh triad trading portfolio um so you guys can uh, watch that it's actually be public for everyone whoever's watching you just got to sign up and uh you can keep track of my daily report cards every day if you wanted to take a look at what i was doing oh yeah it's that's huge i'll uh i think your profile is posted below this video but i'll double check make sure everyone's profiles I'll also, can, I'll also post it? mine. I'll look at yours too, Tom. Sweet. I still make them every day. I just don't really post them, but yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Great, great pod. Covered some right. deep topics yeah. this time. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, that was a good one. All right. Mm. Stuff, Catch guys. you guys later. Sweet. Take care, later, everyone. Boys. Take it easy. Ciao, ciao.